0: Welcome to the Bethesda Church podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We consider it an honor to host you. You can stay up to date with us at BethesdaChurch.TV or on Instagram. Now let's get ready for the message. Can we get excited for At The Movies? Just a few weeks away. From our hit series of the, well, it's not summer, can't say summer, um, but fall, you know, sorry, sad face, uh, summer's over. Um, is over, which means school's here, and oh, I'm starting out real depressing, I'm sorry. But hey, at the movies is like next week. Well, it's not next week, it feels like next week, but um, it starts in just about three weeks. So invite everybody you know. I mean, this is gonna be a great time uh, to invite your neighbor, the Postman, I mean, the doctor, anybody and everybody, you can invite them. Um, we're going to have a great time. Popcorn, candy, characters, you know, costumes, sets. I mean, my goodness. How many guys love at the movies? Like, I mean, it speaks for itself. I'm not doing any justice. So, um, but. Hey, thank you guys so much for your giving today. I'm so excited uh, to be with you all, to be sharing uh, the third part of our series, When Hell Freezes Over. How many guys have enjoyed this series so far? Like four of you. Okay. Awesome. Yikes. All right. Well, uh, you know, I've really enjoyed this and uh, I think the title is really cool because it's kind of risque and cool, you know. But I think the, the other thing is that these two messages that Pastor Chad's preached leading up to today, uh, a miracle of protection and a miracle of provision. I mean, my goodness, those are words that like, and those are sermons that just simply, you don't just like, you take your notes, you go home like, that was a good word. No, like, that's stuff you got to stand on daily to know that the Bible tells us that the host of heavenly angels is on our side, that we are protected, as Psalm 91 tells us, or that we've got provision that Jehovah Jireh is on our side, and he goes before us to make a way. Come on, somebody. Are you thankful that we serve a God who goes before us to make a way? Well, I'm excited uh, to to speak to you all today, and I'm forever grateful for the opportunity to just be able to minister and just be able to... um, just. Talk to you guys, and uh, I'm forever honestly grateful for just the small part that I have here at Bethesda Church. And I want to say thank you to our wonderful pastors and leader, Pastor Chad and Pastor Karen. We're so thankful for you guys. Come on, Bethesda, can we give honor what honors do? I love you guys, I honor you so much. I'm so thankful for you all in my life. Um, so All that said, today we're going to be kicking off the third part of this series, and the title of my sermon today is Miracles of Promise. Everybody say Miracles of Promise. So, listen, when I think about the miracles and the promises of God, my mind begins to race to so many different things in certain scriptures that are dear to my heart about what God's promised us, like promises of future and a hope, of blessing and protection, for wisdom and healing. But um, I kind of want to pose a question to set up today. Have you ever felt like God's promised you something, or you felt like you knew you were going to receive a miracle but it not happened in the time frame that you thought it would? Or have you ever thought that God forgot about you or about what he said, and you're just sitting there thinking like, God, I know you spoke to me, but I'm hearing crickets right now. Anybody know what I'm talking about today? So today, my my job by the Holy Spirit is to remind you of the promises of God. And before I dive into the message, I wanna set up this real quick and share something I found uh, when I was studying for this message. So, In 1998, there was this gentleman, uh, his name was Victor Knowles, okay? And he was the president, I want to make sure I don't mess this up, of a peace on earth ministry out of Joplin, Missouri. And Victor wrote an article called Promise and Fulfillment, Believing the Promises of God. And in this article, Victor writes about a man named Everett R. Storms who was a school teacher in Canada. He was a Bible scholar. Um, And the thing about it is that when... Victor was studying about Everett, it was that Everett was trying to study about the promises of God. Walk with me for a second. And if you search through scripture, you Google or anything, there are so many different people that say, I know the exact number of the promises of God. Some say it's 30,000, some say it's 10,000, some say it's 2,000 different promises of God, but Everett R. Storms, being the saint that he is, studied the word of God for a year and a half from Genesis to Revelation and the index and everything in between. And he found out that there are 8,810 promises in the Bible, specifically 7,487 promises that God made specifically to humankind. Now, aren't you thankful that God didn't just give us one promise? He just gave us a bunch and said, I'm going to send Jesus to fulfill all of it. So, there's 8810 promises of God that he that he gave us. And these are promises that are a hope and a future, as Jeremiah 29 tells us, or a promise of protection like Psalm 91 shares, or that God is with us and we should not fear, like Deuteronomy thirty one eight tells us, or that we have power to lay hands on the sick and they will recover, or that when I speak with authority, demons flee and they run back to hell where they came from, or that goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Come on. I mean, I could preach about those things. We can have us the most Pentecostal church service and I can shout till my head pops off and my face is red but I'm not I'm not but that's what my mind thinks of when I think about miracles of promise and when you study out the definition of promise from Merriam-Webster it says this that it's a legally binding declaration that gives the person to whom it is made a right to expect or to claim the performance or forbearance of a specified act. So stop and think about this, that we serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we also know that we're a part of the kingdom of heaven. Merriam-Webster just confirmed this for us because the promises of God are legally bound in heaven and on the earth. Now, in today's society, a promise is nothing more than a phrase we use in the heat of a moment, to make sure the other party understands how sincere the situation is. Okay, all right, let me, let me help you. All right, so like I've been married for a year, so I'm an expert. So like when, when Haley tells me, when Haley tells me, Jeremiah, make sure you take out the trash. I promise I'll do it. Next day comes and there's stuff overflowing it. You know, y'all get it. Don't act like you're all that in a bag of chips. I promise you, if I was with you, I could hear you and your spouse promise something, and five minutes there, be like, ah, there it is. You didn't do it. So, like, okay, so like, you, you get what I'm saying. So, like, when my wife says, make sure you take out the trash to say, I promise I will. Or, like, you say, I promise I will get home on time for dinner tonight, or I promise I won't be late for work again. Like we use the word promise real loosely in today's society and culture. Like, I I mean, it's just, like I said, it's what we want to make sure, like you look at the other part, like I promise, insert the blank, because we want to be like reiterating the point that we're saying. Or we could take it a step farther today, and we could talk about the promise that people keep when they say, I promise I'll stop drinking. I promise I'll get help with my addiction. Or I promise I won't leave you again. Now, we as humans make a lot of promises, and we fail on almost all of them. But aren't you thankful that we serve a God, that his promises are yes and amen, and from the beginning to the end, he's never ceased to fail us, he's never ceased to have forgotten about us, that his promises are still true today as it was in the book of Genesis. So... Today, I, I want to share with you what God's laid on my heart, and, um, and I need you to understand something, that the miracle you need is laid inside of the promises of God. If you need a healing, it's promised by the stripes of Christ, there is healing. If you need peace, it's promised there will be a peace that surpasses all understanding that if you need something to work out in your favor, the Bible says that God goes before you to make a way where there is no way, specifically a river in the desert. That's impressive. And the thing about it is, though, that God's never left us or forsaken us. So today, to help convey exactly what I feel like God's wanted me to share with you guys to to go into this third installment of our series, uh, I want to go out of the Old Testament, and there's a story out of Genesis Genesis 15 um, about Abraham or Abram, all right? And we're going to pick up in Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 6, and this is what it says. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram. Like I said, Abram means Abraham. God renamed him. It's this whole deal. If you read your Bible, you'll understand it. But it says, don't be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. The word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them, then the Lord said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Now, when you study this out, the Bible tells us in certain contexts that Abraham or Abram is about 80 some years old, between 80 and 86 years old, okay? So if we fast forward to Genesis 18, we see the account of the Lord showing up with three men, which is actually three angels, or so a picture of the Trinity in the Old Testament. And we see that God is speaking to Abraham. In Genesis 18, 10 through 15, and it says, Then one of them said, I will, reassure, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent, which was behind it. Hold on. Can I just say, nothing good comes from eavesdropping. Not even in the Bible. I mean, come on. Just mind your business. All right, that's his word. Y'all can go home after that. All right. Abraham and Sarah were very old. And Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, will well, I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? And this is, this is so powerful. I could preach just on this one verse right here. And this is God talking about himself to Abraham. Is the, he, and he said, Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Is there anything too hard that God can't move in the situation? Is your marriage too messed up that God can't move in it? Is your finances too uh, messed up for God to move in it? Is your is your relationship with your family so messed up that God can't restore it? Like is this nation so messed up that God can't restore it? Come on, like this is a this is a this is a rhetorical question. If you get the, like, everyone wrong on the test, this is one that's like, uh, you no, know, there's nothing too hard for God, okay? So I want you to just keep that in the back of your head. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Now, I think it's funny because Sarah doesn't even say anything. God reads her mind, which is terrifying, See, hold on, Uh, no, hold on, I'm going to preach this real fast. I just felt this, and this ain't from the Holy Ghost. This is just from Jeremiah. I think it's funny how in the Old Testament, we used to think things before we said it, and as time progressed, we type it before we think it. Oh, Jesus, help us to be a generation. And it's funny because God called Sarah out and was like, why did your woman just laugh and be like, I can't do this? And then that's when God said, is there anything too hard for me? It's almost like God had a sense of If you don't know anything about God, you need to read your Bible. God has a sense of humor, a really funny one, actually. And the thing about it is, though, God is looking at Abraham and be like, your girl is right behind you. You don't know it. But she is cracking me up because she thinks I can't do this. I created something out of nothing. And you're telling me that baby's too old. I know you're really old, but still, that, like that baby that I promised you, It's too hard. Okay, okay, cool. So one year later, God does what he says. I'm not jumping ahead of myself here. But the funny thing is, though, it says, I will will return to you at the appointed time next year. That could be a prophetic word for somebody right there. That this time next year, God can move in a situation where you thought there would be. What looked like death could bring life in one year. What looked like divorce could be more children and a happy marriage in one year. What looked like, you know, a, an issue of infertility could turn into buying another house with more rooms because you can't keep the increase. Come on, somebody. Like, I'm talking like, is there anything too hard for the Lord? I will show up at the appointed time. Like that verse right there, verse 14, we could take home, we could put it on the fridge, post it on Instagram, tweet it, and put it on the bathroom. Mirror and lipstick for all I care. Like that is a verse we can hold on to. Now, Abraham, being the man of God that he is, decides to call Sarah out in verse 15. And he said, Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. And, and this is just a small context where uh, in this translation, there's not a lot of context there. But essentially, Abraham was like, God just came in here and promised us we'd have a kid. And you were laughing. And she goes, no, I didn't. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. God told me. Now, two things I learned. One, why are you arguing with your wife? And two, Abraham is a brave man. And I'm glad he had God on the side when he argued that point. Men of God. Like I said, I've been married for a year. I'm an expert. I know what I'm talking about. I actually have no idea. It's okay. Haley's like, shut up, Jeremiah. We don't know what we're doing. It's okay. It'll be fine. By the next service, I'll clean this up. It'll be all right. But we're reading Genesis 18. And the passage of this is called, the the title of the passage of Genesis 18 is called The Son of Promise. And in Genesis 15, where it started, it's called God's Covenant with Abram. So we went from God's covenant with Abram to the son of promise. And not only did God confirm the miraculous promise he made, but he gave a time frame for the miracle. In Genesis 21, we, you know, we read that Isaac is born, and I'll read that here in a little bit. But something happens in the middle of this story. Like from Genesis 15 to Genesis 21, we read about the promise, we read about all this stuff. But something messy kind of happens right in the middle of it. If you don't think your Bible's got a little bit of tea, a Little bit of drama, a little bit of messy stuff. I would open it up. Cause it gets messy really quick. Because I wanna I wanna talk to you guys about something about what happens when we play to, when we try to play God and we do things in our own strength. Cause I think too many times we think God didn't move in this situation, so I'm gonna take it upon myself. Can I tell you what happens when you try to get in the way of a God closing the door? You're gonna get hurt. Because I'm telling you, I ain't jumping ahead of myself. Jeremiah, calm down. You got it. You got a little bit of time. You can preach to them. They'll get it. Maybe not. It'll be all right. So in the middle, the middle of this miracle in motion, Sarah gets this bright idea. And it was Sarah, read your Bible, women don't get mad. It was Sarah who got this bright idea to let Abraham have a son. But with another woman. Oh, God. The spirit of Hagar. <laughs> Now, Sarah basically said this. I'm going to paraphrase this. He said, since I can't have a child for you, Abraham, I'm going to let you have a child, but with my maidservant. Now, like I said, this is messy. I mean, come on, women of God. If this would have been y'all, y'all just would have crossed your arm and be like, I guess we're just waiting on God. Oh, don't act that safe. I have some of y'all on Facebook. no, 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 no. No, no. No, 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 because I'm going to be honest. like This would have been y'all, y'all would have pulled out your weave, put your gold hoop earrings in somebody's hands, cracked your knuckles and be like, no, 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 no. We ain't going down this road. But Sarah, I guess, trusted Abraham or something like that. All right. So. You know, and this is even crazy because, like, this would, this, this dramatizing story, it's real. Like, it's in your Bible. I'm not making this up. Like, this would make Grey's Anatomy or This Is Us look like an episode of Blue's Clues. It's so messy. Like I said, I got you on Facebook. I know what you watch. You post about it every Tuesday. It's okay. But listen, some of us get so caught up in trying to make the miracle happen for ourselves that we birth an Ishmael instead of an Isaac. If you don't know who Ishmael was, Ishmael was the son of Abraham and Hagar. We get in a rush and we try to do things in our own strength. And you think God didn't do this in the time frame that I thought he should, so I'll take it upon myself. And guess what happens when you take a God thing into your own hands? you create an issue for many generations to come. Can I help you, like uh, the political preachers in here, the reason that mess is going on in the Middle East isn't because a president decided to send people and we got a president's pulling people out. It's called Abraham and Sarah didn't wait on God and they created Ishmael and a whole generation followed the Ishmael people and next thing you know, you got one side. They all came from the same family, but they hate each other because their mamas are different. What's the point of this? Quit trying to rush things. If God said it, He would do it. Just quit. To the, to the single women, you know, and a divorced woman in here, uh, quit trying to get on Tinder and go to the bar at the asylum on a Thursday at 11 o'clock. I'm just paraphrasing, I don't know if anybody goes there. And quit trying to pick up a man when God hasn't called you to pick up a bum. He's called you to pick up a proverb. Like, you're a Proverbs 31 woman, and God's called you to walk in the calling to find a man of God. Like, there's so many times I just wish, like, I'm probably never preaching again after this. I just, I'd, I'm telling I prayed myself so full, I came out here, and I was like, I'm going to preach this thing. Do I feel it? <laughs> oh, God, what a mistake. Um, but I think so many times we try to take things in our own hands. We say, all right, God, I know what your word said, I know what you said, I know what the pastor said, and all that confirms, but I'm going to take it in my own hands. Can I tell you, like statistics show what happens when you try to force a marriage the second, third, and fourth, and fifth, and eighth time. The success rate for marriages keeps, it's already at 50% in the church, in the church, and we've got the answer, 50%. Oh, God, help us. But we try to take things in our own hands. Now, I'm not just talking about like marriages and relationships. Like, what about a job? Your boss tells you if you keep doing good in the next quarter, uh, you can get a promotion. But what do you do? You show up and try to do things in your own hands. It's really easy when you can tell somebody's forcing something. Like almost like fake. They say something about my generation and the younger generation. They said, we can see through people. That discernment's kind of higher in us because we can tell who's authentic and who's fake. And can I just encourage you, like, please, for the love of all humanity, quit trying to birth something that God never told you to birth, but He said He was gonna give you. Back to my notes. But here's the thing though, Even, even though Abraham and Sarah messed up, God gave grace. Because in Genesis 21, it tells us that the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said. And I love this. Hold on. Let me paraphrase it. You're going to see God quoting himself like 14 and a half times. Because it's almost like God is telling us and telling them, like, I did what I said I was going to do. Just in case you didn't catch it the first time. Like, literally, look. The Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Parents, you do that with your kids. I told you I was going to feed you. The oven goes off in four minutes when it preheats to 350. Quit shaking the handles. You'll be fed. It's okay. But Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. And Abraham gave, him, gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. And Abraham was 100 years old when the son Isaac was born to him. Okay, when you study out the word Isaac, I didn't put this in my notes. I just decided I was studying this and I found it. The word Isaac means son of laughter. You know how funny that is to me? That Abraham said, I'm going to name our son, son of laughter, because you laughed over the promise God gave me. Oh, God. Oh, God. See, but the thing is that when you study out the promise to fulfillment, so Genesis 15 to Genesis 21, the promise of Isaac to the birth of Isaac, it took 20-some years. One-fifth. Abraham was 100 years old when this happened. One-fifth of Abraham's life is waiting from promise to fulfillment. One-fifth of Abraham's life is waiting for God to do exactly what he said he was going to do. One-fifth of Abraham's life was Abraham waiting to receive what he was created for, to be the father of many nations. Y'all know something, Father Abraham. Amen. I'm not doing it. I'm just kidding. You all want to do that? Go serve and be kids. I can't do that on the stage. <laughs> Y'all will expose me and put me on Facebook quick. I got a reputation to keep here. But can I tell you something God laid on my heart? As I was reading this, the Lord spoke to me very softly and he said, the greatest miracle could feel like your greatest burden. Meaning the very thing that's keeping you up at night, the very thing that's giving you anxiety and stress and worry could be the very thing that God's going to use in the situation to bring forth what he had promised to you. Listen, Sarah, Sarah had a moment when she heard the Lord Say in one year you'll be pregnant. She, she laughed and she said, yeah, hell will freeze over before this happens. I ain't cussing. Don't get nervous. But think about it. Sarah literally said, I'm old and he's old. And a baby, we're going to make a baby? Okay. And she laughed. Y'all ain't that safe. You can laugh in church. It's okay. This is funny. Like, you know, we try to act real spiritual when we read this. Like, oh, I would have never laughed. No, but you get mad when you get cut off in traffic. Oh, I'm never preaching again after this. I can feel the judgment in this place right now. But can I ask a question? I wonder how many of you guys are like Sarah. We talked a little bit about Abraham, but I wonder how many of you guys are like Sarah. Sarah. Some of you would think it'd be easier to have a snowstorm in Hades than believe for the miraculous right in front of you. I wonder how many of you guys are in this place and you're, and you're sitting there and you're thinking, there's no way I'll have another baby. There's no way I'll get the promotion. There's no way I'll find joy again. There's no way my kids will get saved. But can I reassure you of a miracle God promised us in Romans 8, 28 that says that we know in all things, everybody say all things. All things. Come on, say it louder. Say All things. This is what the Bible says, that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called to according to his purpose, all right? Abraham waited 20 years for his miracle to manifest. I don't know how long you've waited for God to move in a situation, but I promise you, if God said it, he would do it. If God promised you your kids would be saved and in church, they're going to walk through the doors. If God promised you you wouldn't have any sickness in your body anymore, I promise you it's going to happen. I, I'm telling you right now, if God told you in a quiet place your marriage is going to get restored and it doesn't look anything but like the word divorce, I'm telling you, if God said it, he would do it. I'm telling you, I don't know who this is for, but I don't know what God's promised you. I don't know what God's spoken to you. I don't know what's been prophesied over you. I don't know what verses spoken to you, but can I I just reassure you from the Lord, the word of the Lord here. If God said it he would do it. If God said it he would do it. If God said it he would do it. I'm trying to get this to somebody grabs a hold of this. If God said it he will do it. If you would get out of the way, take your hands off the situation and quit thinking you're God Almighty and get off your high horse and think you've got all the answers because you can quote scripture and you think God's going to move on your behalf. If you could just take a step back with your religious self and say, God, if you want to move in this situation, your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. I'm telling you, if you could get off Facebook for 10 seconds and open up the word of God and realize that you don't have to post about that person you can just let me talk to the if you're offended quit posting about them and open up the bible and read what it says have a conversation or be quiet take your pick but either way quit posting about them and get over yourself because nobody cares anyways Oh, I feel this, so I'm going to preach it. I'm not done yet. Can I tell you, if you're trying to fix your marriage, quit calling out all the issues in your spouse and lay your hands off of it and go to a counselor for yourself and figure out how to fix yourself so you don't have to fix your wife. Quit trying to play lottery so you think you can win a lot of money when you should start tithing first. Quit trying to find love on Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Tinder, and get in the house of God, and maybe you can find somebody that doesn't want more from you than a one-night stand. Oh, God, this ain't in my notes, I promise you. If we could learn, oh, y'all laughing because you think I'm funny, but I'm calling it out. I'm preaching like a youth pastor. I promise you, you ask my students, I'll call it all out. There's too many people dying and going to hell for us just to have three points of poem and two songs and go home. Can I tell you, hell will freeze over before over my dead body or I get raptured or ashes to ashes, dust to dust, before I go to heaven and meet my Savior and meet my family that are up there right now, before I let something happen that I should just take my hands off and say, God, you can move in this situation if you want because I'm not big enough or bad enough to do it. I'm telling you the greatest thing, and this is what Jesus told us in the New Testament production team. I'm off notes. Y'all just bear with me, all right? They're back there sweating right now. But can I tell you what Jesus told us? He said what, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness. And guess what happens? Everything else will be added to it. If you could learn about the miracle promises of God, if you could understand what God says, that, yeah, healing could take place, but if you take your hands off of it and quit trying to act like you're the one that's going to heal yourself, essential oil can do something else. But I tell you, the anointing oil of heaven is what will bring forth. Oh, I'm preaching against it. I got nothing against essential oils. It's just an easy target. All the women on Etsy and do all them pyramid schemes going to be mad. It's half of the B-Kids moms are like, we're going to talk to you at B-Kids check-in when we get Declan out of the B-Kids area. (laughs) You know where to find me. I'll be there (laughs) next week. Not this week, though. I've got a safety guy with me. I'm not going anywhere. I'm never preaching again after this. Pastor Jen, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Listen, I'm having fun. But can I tell you something? If you have faith, because Jesus tells us like, you know, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, people are just like, I just got to have a little bit of faith. That's enough. It is. But I'm telling you, if you could, if you could grab hold of the fact that the more faith you have, the bigger the blessing it'll be. Now, I know that, that, that sounds like it's a little bit of televangelist stuff, and that, that's not it. But I'm telling you, if you could grab hold of the fact that, that this is so powerful, that faith is the foundation that a miracle is conceived on. You can't ask for conception and doubt. That's, can I tell you, that's why the modern church will never see a move of God. Not this church. We see a move of God every Sunday. Anytime the doors open, God God inhabits this place. But I'm talking about the modern church, like the trendy, lit, cool, whoa church. It's because they're too, like, they, they, don't, they say, we've got faith. But can I tell you something? Faith is good. We need faith. The Bible says faith pleases God. Like, you have to have faith to be saved, like all this stuff. But can I tell you faith and works go hand in hand? That you can't say, I have faith, and then doubt the miraculous. You can't, because everybody's like, faith and doubt are the opposite. No, faith and sight are the opposite. Faith is substance of things we cannot see, but we hope for. What is sight? Exactly what I'm looking at. The thing about it is, though, and this goes with my sermon, I promise you, I'm, I'm right on track where I want to be, is because the fact that if we understand that faith is a mirror, faith is the ground that a miracle is conceived on, then all we have to do is just walk in obedience to what God said. All you have to do is have enough faith to say, you know what, God, if you said it, you'll do it. If you said it, I'll believe it. If you said it, I'm holding to it. But I'm just going to keep faith and hold on to it because I don't know what the future is going to look like because I'm going to be honest. If we learned anything in the last 18 months, anything could happen. Anything. History's doomed to repeat itself for those who don't learn from it. And now we're sitting here wondering, well, God, what are we going to do? What God told us to do to begin with. Pastor Chad told me this years ago. I mean, years ago. He said, Jeremiah, he said, if you pray for a word from God and you don't get it, he said, then you need to stop and ask yourself, what did God tell me to do last? And he said, that's what you need to keep doing until God gives you a new word. The reason I say that is because when you look at Abraham and Sarah, that's exactly what they did. Yeah, they tried to take it in their own hands and they created a mess. But can I tell you the sovereignty of God still plays a factor in today's society? That goodness, that's why I said goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. Because when you think about it, when you think about this, that even thousands of years of like, like later, like we're still preaching about this today, but even in the New Testament, in Romans 4.13, I've included this after the fact, but it says, it is not, and this is Paul talking to the Roman church, he said, it is not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be the heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. The word righteousness right there could almost be translated back to Genesis 15 when God made him a promise and he said yes when he told him about the stars and the heaven that'll be your you know, inheritance and all that. When you look at that, the word righteousness is the same word used there. It's the same righteousness. God said it counted him as what? Righteousness. What did Paul tell us in Romans? That it was of righteousness. Why? By faith. Y'all get what I'm saying? Y'all tracking with me here? This, oh, this whole thing, Miracles of promise is birthed out of faith. It's what this whole series is about, is about faith. To build your faith. To operate in what God's called you to do. So when we look at this, it wasn't it was a religion that was attached to the promise, but it was faith that was attached to the promise. You cannot expect God to move without having faith and expectation. Abraham may have questioned God. He may have tried to take it in his own hands. He may have wavered a little bit. But what Abraham did not do was give up. Listen, you can't have a hot pocket miracle. Okay. Let me explain it for those that are like, what's a hot pocket miracle? I got you. Y'all act like God's got a miraculous drive through that you just, you get what you want. You go up, I, I, God, I need a healing with a side of Holy Ghost filling. Hold the sanctification. <laughs> oh, God, oh, God. You act like God's got a miraculous drive through you want a miracle, you roll up to it, you ask for one, and three minutes later, you get it. Miracles are not microwavable, they're manifested. If you don't hear anything else i say today, you, you can't, you, you cannot birth your miracle. You may, like if you're struggling with infertility, yeah, you may physically birth your miracle. But spiritually, you can't birth it. Oh, God. Hear me. You, you can't birth it. Quit. The weight of the glory of God, if it's not handled by the grace of God, will kill you. I told Haley this yesterday. I said, uh, authority without accountability is recklessness. And when you think about it, we have the authority, but we need accountability. Where does the accountability come from? The word of God and from others. When we look at this story, the miracles of promise that Abraham tells us, we have to look at this to know that uh, that the miracle wasn't made in three years and nine months. It was 20 years. 20 years. 20 years. That puts us back to 2001. My students weren't even born then. In case you didn't feel old today, there you go. I'm sorry. I apologize about that. But think about this, they're not microwavable, they're manifested. In the modern church, we have a faith that doesn't rely on God, it relies on us. In the modern church, we sit there and say, if God said it, he'll do it tomorrow. I wish. If that's the case, I'll give you my checking account number. But can I tell you the thing is, though, we think we got like this hot pocket faith, like, God, I want it in three minutes. But can I tell you that God tells us over and over again, very rarely does the, you study this out and mark my words, you very rarely will ever read where the Bible says that God made a promise and instantaneously he met it, unless it was a healing or something in that nature. Usually when it was a prophecy, it was for years to come. Why? Why? because god wants to see can you have your faith tested and not grow weary on my promise that's been given because if faith is a ground that a miracle is manifested and conceived on then how do you expect me to bless you and give you what you ask for if you don't have enough faith for me to seek or for you to seek me i'm almost done i'm almost done and this brings this is kind of cool because this actually brings the last two messages of Pastor Chad's series into this because there was a miracle of protection because Abraham messed up, but God protected him and still came through with his word. And there was a miracle of provision because God provided in a way that could only be described as an only God moment. You, you, I'm saying it again. You cannot expect God to manifest something where there is no foundation. In order for something to be manifested, there has to be a foundation for the miracle to reside in. i wonder i don't I don't know what you came in with i don't i truly don't know what you came in with i I have an idea because I feel like God's just laid certain things on my heart as I prepare for this but can i can i just encourage you i I don't know what you came in with i don't but I can tell you there's a there's an anointing here. I said it to the dream team this morning I was back in the back in the back room there praying and and I, I just felt like heaven opened up in that room. And it wasn't because I did anything or said anything or prayed hard enough. I just really felt like God just graced an anointing. And I shared it with the dream team. But in Isaiah, uh, it said that, it describes the anointing, that it's a yoke-breaking anointing. That the yoke would break off your neck. And, and I don't know what you came in with, but I really feel strongly from the word of the Lord this morning that whatever you came in with, there's an anointing to break it there's not just an anointing to break it, there's an anointing to carry it through. Listen, I I don't know how long you've waited for something to come to pass. I know you're probably tired. I know this is probably like, you're like, dude, you have no idea what I've been through. And I don't, but there's a God who has. And if God provided for Abraham at 100 years old to have a newborn, I can promise you, God will provide in this situation. As the worship team uh, comes to help me close this thing out and land this plane, I, I, I felt the prophetic word. And it just ties in. I kind of forgot I wrote it down, but it said, do not give up on my word that has not yet come to pass. I was in my office on Tuesday, or excuse me, Wednesday preparing for this, and I felt like God just really dropped out of my spirit. Don't give up. I know it looks easy too. I know it'd be easier. I, listen, for some of you, it'd be easier just to turn around and start fresh than hold on to what's new and pray for God to give you something fresh. It would be easier for you to sit there and be like, I don't know how this dead situation is going to come to life, but it would be easier for me just to let it go and go do something new. When God hasn't called you to do that, God's called you for restoration. Just as Abraham didn't waver in his faith, don't you give up. Don't, try to get your, don't quit trying to get your marriage restored. Don't give up on the baby that's trying to be born. Don't give up on the career that you're trying to seek. Don't think you're too old or you're too young, but you don't like, or you don't have what it takes, or you'll end up just like the rest of your family. But can I tell you, manifestations, the word that keeps ringing in my spirit? There's a miracle manifesting. I don't know what it is, I truly don't. Like I said, I, I feel like God's given me like three or four things that I've, I've targeted all week in prayer over this. But there's a story I, I want to share to close out today. So many years ago, Pastor Joel Osteen. Um, I don't care what you say. The guy's got a great ministry. I don't care what you say, what you want to argue. You don't speak against God's anointed. Clearly the favor of God is on that man for what he's doing. You may not like his preaching style, but you keep that to yourself, all right? But Pastor Joel, I heard this years ago when the Lord reminded me of it, like years ago. Like I was an intern here. This is how many years ago it was. Pastor Joel was preparing to relocate the Lakewood Church in the Houston area. And the old Houston Rocket Stadium came available to purchase. And Pastor Joel and the church were very interested in purchasing the arena for their new campus. And Pastor Joel got a meeting with some of the board members of the arena, various people who had input on the decision. And, you know, Pastor Joel shared his thoughts on the vision for what he saw Lakewood Church could be and what they could do in this grand space and how much of a blessing it would be in this community. And one of the board members looked at Pastor Joel dead in the eye and said something along the lines of, Pastor Joel, hell will freeze over before you get this building. And if you know anything about Joel Osteen, he just smiled and said, okay. Well, some time went by, and by the hand of God, the Lakewood Church was actually able to get the the Houston Rockets Stadium as their new campus, and uh, they've done some awesome things in that area. And later on, when they moved into the arena, Pastor Joel was asked about that specific board member in the conversation regarding his comments on the chance of them securing the location. And Pastor Joel simply smiled and said, it must have been a cold day in hell on this Sunday, because look who's got the keys. Can I tell you that same kind of faith is what you need for your marriage to get restored? Can I tell you that kind of faith, that kind of courage, that kind of boldness, that kind of unwavering steadfastness to the word of God, to the promise of God, is, what, is what's gonna birth your miracle? Come on, stand with me. Help me finish this thing out, Bethesda. Can I tell you that kind of thing to say, devil, I know You may be trying against me, but hell will freeze over before I give up on this. Can I tell you what? There must have been a cold day in hell back about 20, 15 some years ago when they had them keys. Don't you dare think. Don't you dare think, I can't get this thing together, God. I'm going to give it up. I can't hold it anymore. Can I tell you, there's an anointing coming over you, over your household. There's a grace. Your faith's being built up in this moment. You need to just grab hold of it. There's a grace for this new season. There's a grace in this anointing to operate in what you feel like for years. You've been feeling like you're called into, but you never knew how to do it. There's a grace to operate in it for the students getting ready to go back into school. There's an anointing and a grace coming back over you like never before for the the teachers and faculty and board members. There's an anointing coming over you to speak and to minister and to care for kids like never before. Come on. I'm not done preaching this yet. There's an anointing. There's a faith. There's a grace that's being brought over your business, over your marriage, over your finances, over the infertility and the negative pregnancy test. Come on. There's a, there's, come on. I, y'all ain't helping me. I ain't looking for a cheap amen. I'm just looking for somebody to agree with me and grab hold of this. I don't serve the God of just enough. I serve the God of exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ask or believe. Because at the end of the day, I'm not serving some washed up God that's a golden calf. I'm serving the God that's seated high and lifted up, seated above all glory. And he's the one that orchestrates all of it. There may be some crazy stuff going on in your life, but can I reassure you of the promise of God that he said, I've never left you or forsaken you. God told Abraham and Sarah at 90 some years old, is there anything too hard for me the answer is no is there anything too hard for your marriage no is there anything too wrong for the infertility no is there anything too wrong for your kids not being in church and being alcoholics and drug addicts no God's gonna take care of it and God's gonna move in a situation if I've got anybody that's in agreement with me to have enough miracle of promise faith put your hands together stretch your hands forth. I, I I didn't know how I was going to say this. God just laid this on my heart. I didn't know if I was going to do it in that moment right there or if I'm going to do it now, but just receive this. God gave me some stuff I want to proclaim over you. Isaiah 43.2 says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, says God. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, The Lord himself goes before you, and he will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not be afraid or do not be discouraged. Joshua 1, 9 says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. The Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I'm not done yet. Psalm 34, 10 says, the lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord will lack nothing. Mark 11 24 says, therefore I tell you whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. In the name of Jesus I declare exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask or believe over every ministry, over every finance, over every marriage, over every business, over every life, over every sickness, over every touch of the family right now in the name of Jesus I declare prophetic that a new wind is coming into your lungs that what God wants to do in this season is not let you live off what you did last year but God wants to fill you with a new wind a new fire something new for this season what God has for this church is a new wind it will be the same language but a new wind a new breath will push it forward like never before a wave of healing a wave of feeling a wave of receiving of the blessing of God I declare right now now, that every time the doors open what no man said was possible God you would say it's exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or believe that white sulfur wouldn't be condemned but would be saved God that Greenbrier County wouldn't be lost but God they would be found God that Allegheny County, Botetourt County, Bocahontas County, Monroe County, Raleigh County though you know what the whole state of West Virginia and Virginia God I pray exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or believe. A new season's here. You've heard pastor preach about it. Tired of people like a new season's coming. It's here. Just open up your eyes. It's here. It's here. But the difference between people, this isn't in my notes, I feel this, I promise you. They got copy in my notes, this ain't in it. The difference between the old anointing and the new anointing is what you do with it. You can't put new wine in an old wineskin. We've went through it, we've been through it, we've got the scars because we've been healed. We don't have wounds because we've been healed, but we've got scars to show the battle and the testimony of the healing of Jesus but the prophetic word is the new wind is coming and you better breathe in and get ready for it. God, you do what only you can do in this moment. I'm done. probably sitting there thinking, what's he doing? I'm waiting on God. That weight you feel, that's God. That's the glory of God. We're just going to take a second. Don't want to miss this. Everybody bow your head and close your eyes with me. You may be in here and say, Jeremiah, I don't even know this Jesus guy. You've been and talking about God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and I don't even know who these people are. Or you may say, you know, once upon a time, I, I was in church, I was in covenant with God, and I was bound and destined for heaven. But if he came back right now, I, I don't know where I would spend eternity. If that's you, now listen, we, we're not gonna make you feel called out. We're not gonna go out of our way to, to make you feel any less than or anything like that. The whole reason we do this is just for you. So if you need to renew your commitment to Christ and you feel like you're out of covenant and you need to get into covenant with God, I just want you to slip up your hand quick enough for us just to acknowledge it and you can put it right back down. We're not going to make fun of you. We're not going to call you out. Thank you for that hand. God bless you. Another moment. If there is anybody online, hey, listen, you can type it in the chat. We'd love to pray with you and for you. We've got chat hosts that are available to do so and to help you walk out these next steps. Can we just give God a hand clap of praise before we pray real fast? Everybody pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I ask that you forgive me of all my sins. I'm a sinner and I need saving. Lord, forgive me of anything that could hinder you from moving in my life. Save me and change me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, Bethesda. Let's give God a big hand clap of praise. Now listen, every Sunday we do this. I just want to see, don't, don't feel awkward, but if I if I'm preaching to you, I want you to lift your hands. I want to see I want to see if I'm preaching to you and you feel like you get this is right up your alley. I see some hands. Anybody else? Come on, be honest. You're not going All right. Here's what I want to do. Prayer team staff, Spirit filled people, y'all make your way to the front. Every Sunday we give this. And some people are like I don't want to go up. Can I tell you the greatest thing that could happen for you is your faith to be matched with somebody that's going to believe the miraculous for you. I don't know. It may be cancer. It may be a death sentence. It may be anything. If you raised your hand and you want somebody to agree with you, they are going to agree with you. I'll be down here. I'll agree with you too. I'll be right over there, and I'll agree with you. But come to these people. Get prayer. Don't just sit there and, and just think, well, okay, it'll be fine. If you want God to move in the situation, you want somebody to agree with you, and for you. Come up here and we want to pray with you. Come on, can we give God one big hand clap of praise as we go into this last worship song? Thanks for joining us today. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can go to bethesdachurch.tv give. We'll catch you on the next episode. Have a great day.